Welcome everyone to the Eva Health Podcast, season two. My name's Erin, I'll be your host this season where we explore health information technology topics and our solution, Eva. So without any further ado, let's get this episode started. On today's episode, we're gonna talk about outcome and income. I get a lot of questions. What do you mean by outcome and income? Well, in our model, we believe that patient outcomes are the key to successful income. So patient retention, uh, trust, success of business, really it all should revolve around the patient outcome. Well, what determines the patient outcome? Are determinants given to us by medical coding and billing? Or are outcomes, successful patient outcomes, actually determined uh, by the relationship between the provider and the patient? So there's a trusting relationship, the patient is reporting success, and the provider is also seeing a successful trend, right? And that's also patient-dependent. So we're looking at outcome not in ways of codes and billing. Um, We're really looking at it as a relationship and what that relationship can do to help support your independent practice income so that you can continue to give that high value of care, right? Because we have to pay for our business, for our supplies, for the lights, for everything, for our staff in order to continue giving our care. All right, let's jump right in. Hey, Dr. J. Hey, good morning. How's it going today? Beautiful. It's springtime in Texas and there's blue bonnets all the way in to the, to the office. It's just beautiful, man. It makes me so happy to be alive watching. All the world is falling apart, but blue bonnets don't care. Yeah. They still <laughs> pour out onto the highway and they're beautiful. And yeah, beautiful. That's part of what we do. We, we yeah, do beautiful. So, yeah. So how yeah, about today we take something that is not seen as beautiful <laughs> and try to reframe it as something that is beautiful. So today we're going to talk about outcomes and income. And mm-hmm. the first time I read your document, The $2 Million Practice, I understood what you meant by outcome and income, but it was the moment that you shared the story about listening to um, an oral surgeon, right? And a business practice that he had um, and the aha moment that you had around outcome focused care that my eyes were opened to something. I mean, I already knew it, like intuitively I knew it, but to actually hear it in a way that translated as a successful journey for healthcare, Mm -hmm. like you could actually do that and have a successful business and move away from the system that is not focused on patients anymore because it can't be. Um, I mean, it it was a big deal for me. So I'd love for you to share that story. And let's start out by talking about um, what what are outcomes? Yeah. So outcome is the patient's complete experience from being greeted, by someone on the phone when they call and say, hey, uh, I'm interested in seeing Dr. J. And their experience from there on is um, is positive. They have a sense of being cared about. They have a sense that they're the only person who's important in that moment um, and that they're gonna have um, a high likelihood of doing well because everyone who they talk to is competent. Then the medical care that they receive is up to date, broad spectrum, integrative medicine, uh, and their follow-up and their clinical improvement is obvious. They're doing better. If they're not doing better, then they're properly referred and they move on. And um, so the outcome is the entire package. What is it like from the beginning until, hey, we'll see you next time. Everybody gets a follow-up appointment in three to six months or in a year, or if they don't ever need one, occasionally you say, we'll just follow up as you need to. But from the beginning until the end, that is the outcome. And outcome is so easy to identify if from the beginning you have markers where you're, your, your intent from the beginning is to care for patients as if they were your, your yourself or your family or anyone that you love. And it is not a reach to say, to love your patients, to do it that way so that their outcomes are excellent. So yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean by outcome. 
and uh, it's, a, it's a lot of different stuff, but it's very simple. When it's all said and done, the patient feels great and they're healthy. That's it. Yeah. So the income part, do you want to talk about that? Well, share Maybe with later. us just for a second what that doctor said to you. Oh, yeah. So the deal is it's, it's when you go into practice, you get a lot of you need a business consultant. You need a, a business review. You need a lawyer and an attorney and a, all these different things. I'm not against any of that stuff. I think it's really good to have a good lawyer and a good accountant and all that, all that stuff important. But this was so simple. It was such a simple model. I thought, wow, this clarifies everything. If the patient's outcome is improved by a service or an activity that you want to do, like I want to hire a reception person. All they do is greet the patient. All they do is make sure that there's the kind of water they like or a snack that they like or that they get followed up quickly and they get a phone call, whatever that is. If that reception person is going to improve the outcome, I'm going to take that on. I'm going to bring that into the practice. If there's technology that's going to improve the patient outcome, I'm going to bring it into the practice. If it improves the patient outcome, I'm going to do it if I can not lose money on it. If the outcome improvement is neutral on my income and doesn't cost me too much money, I'm going to do it. If the outcome is improved for the patient and improves my income, of course I'm going to do it. But if those two are not in balance with the outcome first, you wind up with the system we have now, which is driven by insurance. And all that's being considered at this point is how do we keep Medicare afloat? How do we keep that money thing working the way it's supposed to? And patient outcomes are secondary. We want to turn that back around where the patient outcome is primary. And because it's a cash practice environment, we can anticipate that that patient is not going to continue participating if their outcome is not great. And if I do it right, and if their outcome is not only good, but getting better all the time, because I'm, I'm tweaking and tweaking, it's like a little, oh, maybe I could do that kind of spring water. It's not as good as this other spring water. I want to get the good stuff if I can afford it. If it winds up being prohibitive financially, I'm not going to do it. But whatever I can do to continually tweak that experience so the patient's outcome is better and better and better, my income will reflexly subsequently get better and better and better. And that's the thing, constant, it's a constant quality improvement thing applied to a healthy practice. Yeah, I think that that was, you know, and it, to this day, every time I'm out there writing anything, I'm building education materials, it always comes back to if you're going to add something to your practice, whether it's a service, a staff member, equipment, even if adding, if you're adding another patient, right? So think of patients in as an addition That's to, brilliant. That's right? Brilliant. Yep. If you are adding more, and it is, and you are, and it's going to help outcomes improve for the patient and the practice, and it's not going to negatively affect the income, right? then yes, of course do it. If the outcome is not considered at all, right? There is no outcome, no no way to even manage that. Do not do it. I don't care if your income goes up. If you have no reference point to outcome, don't do it. If the outcome improves and you don't know necessarily on income, right? Maybe it could negatively affect the income short-term, but long-term, then you have to really make much more of a considered effort to weigh out the risk and benefit ratio, right? Because that happens a lot in cash-based practice, which is I might take a little bit of risk, might take a little hit to my income right now, but I know long-term there's a positive effect. I think that's where, that's the harder decision to make. Um, but really, I'm not sure if it's ever been laid out like that before. You know, it's that basic. If it is not, if you can't prove outcomes, so if you're going to buy a million dollar piece of equipment and you cannot show that there are patient outcomes, right, that it's going to improve your patient outcomes, don't do it. <laughs> like yeah. easy, right? Doesn't there, that take so much stress off of your back though? Like, oh, okay. There's so many people out there in the environment that the doctors are in and the providers are in that are saying to them, hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. You're going to make all this money and all these things are going to happen without a consideration that, well, if that doesn't happen, if I have a $4,500 a month lease, or 
if I have this employee or whatever, whatever this additional thing is, usually it's equipment that I have the biggest problem with is buying yeah. crazy equipment. Um, then you're, you're carrying a big load. And for the, for the practices that we're bringing on board and working with, it's always my counsel. The outcomes that you can influence easily is hospitality mm-hmm. and very inexpensively. It's six bucks for a case of uh, water. So how hard is that? to make sure that the patients are cared for. When we do an IV, we always give a patient water. We also have snacks in every room. Snacks are also an inexpensive, way less than a half a million dollar piece of equipment and the satisfaction level is extremely high. And you can bill for an IV and you can bill for a visit within that context and make the income equation very, very good. And the patients will prefer to come to our practice because they're cared for. They're taken care of in a way that they know, not only am I getting an IV, but I'm also getting cared for. I'm not just getting health care, I'm getting health care that cares. Um, that's So that's such an easy thing to do. And on the front end, I recommend taking all of the very simple, inexpensive steps of just caring for the patient better. Use small gauge needles when you draw blood. <laughs> it's it's simple stuff, but patient's experience is so important. When I do trigger point injections, I don't use a 22 gauge or a 25 gauge needle. I use a 27 gauge needle because you don't feel it as much. And I also am an expert at trigger points and it adds an additional $100 to that visit. And patients are unbelievably happy to leave pain-free. And it can't be done in lots of doctor's office because of inexperience or their license doesn't reach that scope or whatever reason, but conveniently I can get that patient what they need and that costs me two dollars and my investment doesn't continue to haunt me for the next five years paying a lease on a big piece of equipment at the same time when it's a proper piece of equipment like ultrasound machine that we use all the time to do injection therapy we analyzed it and saw that our outcomes would be dramatically improved because of accuracy of injection and that it wasn't prohibitive in terms of income and and it did prove out to be a very, very good decision because our outcomes were much, much better and our income was significantly improved. And that balance is so easy. Now, was that a good decision? Yes. I've previously bought a big laser and because we're not really an aesthetic primary practice, that's not our primary goal. It was difficult to support that. We were told, oh, it'll be so great. You'll make all this money. It'll be tremendous. And because that wasn't our real goal, our, our, our outcomes are really focused not so much on aesthetics, though we do some of that Botox and those kinds of things, it was difficult to culturally fit that in. So ultimately, mistake, the outcome, yeah, it was better, but our income was dramatically impacted in a negative way. So it's a good uh, negative lesson where you can say, that's clearly those big high dollar investments. You better be sure that your income is gonna be positively affected or it's a bad choice. Just put it on the scales, outcome and income is the outcome absolutely tremendous life-saving brilliant and you lose a tiny bit of money maybe that's worth it but it's an aesthetic value so send them down the street to this really expert laser center have them do it get referrals from them and and do it that way instead and not confuse yourself unless you love that if that's your thing you know then your outcome for you is improved because you're having fun and enjoying it but outcome and income is such a nice nice easy formula to use and cuts out all sorts of confusion it's super easy. I, I think that, yeah. you know, the reason why it's easy is because you go to medical school, you go to nursing school, you go to wherever, you know, you open an independent practice as, you know, my state nurses can do aesthetics, you know, you can have a overseeing some, you know, medical director or whatever. But the reality is when you're not clear about what your business model is and who your patient demographic is, and you're not focusing on outcomes, it means you're not thinking about retention either. And retention, you know, you said this earlier when we were meeting this morning, it does not make sense for me to go buy, you know, a vendor come in and say, hey, I wanna sell you this equipment. It's the greatest thing in the world. You know, lots of patients are gonna love it. You're gonna be the first to have it here. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I'm losing, you know, all of these patients, right? Because I never focused on retention or outcome or anything like that. So it doesn't equal out, right? And I don't mean just the number of patients. I mean like the lifetime of that patient. 
if you actually look at the lifetime, like the customer, we'll just say that for right now, the customer lifetime is so much more valuable than the lifetime of one machine, which is going to lose, you know, I mean, we saw it with cool sculpting, you know, there's always going to be issues, especially if it hasn't been on the market for a long time. You're taking a risk that, is it really improving patient outcomes? Are you really thinking about the lifetime of that patient, the life cycle of that customer? Um, and yeah, you know, you're seeing patients all the time, so I'm not expecting people to be like thinking about this 24 seven, but I think just offering that, you know, outcome income idea as a gift. As you say that, I, it's, I love doing these podcasts because it, it just really tweaks my understanding. So the idea of, you know, a lot of doctors, because I, I not only have conversation, but I am pretty, you know, pretty good about studying what's going on in the on the articles that are going on and then the commentary I'll read. And, um, and doctors are, oh, I can't believe you called your patient a customer. It's like, well, you can call the patient a patient, which is very true for me. I, in my training, that's what we call all of the people that we cared for were called patients. Ultimately, we work with psychology professionals who call them clients and then business people call them customers. They're actually all those things. The people you care for are not only your patient, which is a, you are caring for this individual and you're caring for their health. That is a patient by any, by any definition. A client is someone who you have a responsibility to that is different and a little larger in the areas of looking for areas of their life that aren't directly related to their health, but their, um, their social situation and other issues. And ultimately as a customer, and there's nothing wrong with this, a customer is somebody you provide a product that they're happy to pay you for. And if they don't like it, they don't have to pay for it. If they don't like what you're doing, then they have the freedom and the agency to say, I, I don't want to do that. And you, so you have a responsibility as a business owner, who's a physician, who has patients slash clients slash customers, those customers, you have to take care of them as if they were customers. So you take good care of them. You make sure that they have a good customer experience. And that's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing, unless you're a mercenary malicious person. And almost all the doctors I know aren't. They're great people. I think they're confused because they can't make the jump between, you know, I, I'm a doctor and I have patients and that's my entire role. It's like, it's not your entire role. You have a fiduciary responsibility to these patients. You have a, a financial obligation to them to not spend their money foolishly on stuff that doesn't provide good outcomes. You should be focused on their outcome. If you're giving them things that they don't really need that cost them money, that's inappropriate. It's, it's dishonest. And ultimately you'll pay because your practice won't be what it could, which is gratifying one and then ultimately profitable. But it has to be, for me, the way I look at it, the outcome income thing also has a 180 degree turn backwards where the outcome to me has to be really good. I have to be satisfied that what I'm doing is, um, is morally fulfilling, that I'm, I'm happy. I walk away at the end of the day, maybe tired, but fulfilled, that I've done the right thing for people, charging them the right amount of money, um, which can be e e very easily balanced by if they're not willing to pay it, it's too much. If they're willing to pay it, it's probably good. And that's very, very easy. Uh, and the math is easy and all of it's really easy as long as you keep that outcome and income really straight. If their outcomes are improved and your income is not negatively affected, you should do it. Making those decisions, always good to get counsel. Talk to somebody who's done it. Find somebody else besides the person who's selling you a product. Find out how it really worked out. and. Um, it's it's a great simplification outcome and income outcome and income you know i think one of the things we do even though we do have eva right so we are selling technology we are offering it we do have to ask a price for it so that we can pay for our jobs <laughs> right so yeah. we can keep working um mm -hmm. but there are you know four of us and <laughs> We have lots of, lots of, lots of skills in many different areas that we now combine together to help have better patient outcomes, because I think we were all driven. We talked about this in the earlier podcast. We were all driven by the idea of 
helping people have better outcomes. And whatever journey we took to get where we are now, we learned that most of the systems out there are not focused on that right now. They are focused on survival. They are focused, they are literally only focused on income. And so mm -hmm. we see these patient outcomes decrease. I would say, okay, so we've talked about outcome. We've talked a little bit about income. You can do the cash-based model wrong. You, you can absolutely do it wrong. And one of the things that I see happen is the number one thing, which is why we're talking about this, is if you're cash-based, whether you're doing direct primary care, you're doing fee-for-service, concierge, whatever, if your primary focus is income only, you're going to find yourself replicating the system that you left, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yep. That, I mean, that's exactly what we see happen. They are constantly chasing, increasing their patient load in order to compensate for uh, revenue out, you know, overhead issues. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, right, because that didn't work for the larger system and patients are now demanding access to primary care because there's a national shortage of it, not, not just primary care, like preventative care, because they don't want to end up in that system because they know when they get stuck in that system, it's a nightmare. It's difficult to get out, right? It's expensive. It's so expensive, even if you have insurance. So patients are doing all the work they can to stay out of that system. In order to have an excellent primary care provider or preventative or any of that, you to have access to that, you start looking for cash-based clinics because they have the time, right? They have to be efficient. They have to price accordingly, accessible, based off their business model or whatever, because they look for providers who are courageous, courageous leadership. They're mm -hmm. wear three hats at once, the hat of the patient, the client, and the customer, and thinking about all of that together, all revolved around the outcome, right? You having a good, excellent outcome. So you stay out of sick care unless an emergency happens, right? So my question to you now is, what does bad outcome look like? <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of bad outcomes that are possible. And I'll just start from the, the greeting. When someone picks up the phone here, they say, "Hi, Dr. J's office. I can help you." Not, "How can I help?" It's, "I can help you." And the bad outcome is when the patient is asking to, whether or not they want to become a patient. "How can I help you?" That's like, "I'm not really sure. I don't feel good." From the very beginning, you can you can create a bad outcome. Even someone who's cheerful, not having properly scripted greeting can be bad from the very beginning all the way through. Bad outcome is when a patient has a stick that's, um, it's a missed stick, which happens not at our office often, but it happens. And there's not an appropriate, I am so sorry, let me get you um, an ice pack or let me make sure that you're okay. And then, and there's an appropriate response and that an effort is made to do it right the first time. And then if not the first time, second time, and if not second time, then they get someone else to help. But there's, there is a, uh, there's a uh, constant flow of awareness in the room with the patient. Do you need something to drink? Have you eaten today? Would you like a snack? That's just, even before the medical care begins, as opposed to sitting somebody down in a waiting room for half an hour, then they go to a room wearing a gown naked for another half hour and then someone walks in, takes their blood pressure, walks out, the doctor who doesn't even know them walks in and says, uh, hi, Aaron, what's up today? And you say, well, I've been here for an hour and I'm sitting here in a gown on a plastic table and I'm very uncomfortable. I don't, yeah, about that, I don't really care. Why are you here? And there's, that's a bad outcome. And the medical care hasn't even started yet. That's just the beginning then the medical care, it has to be expert. You have to have a well-trained professional who's paying attention to, who does a good physical exam, but more importantly is that they get the patient's story. And that's what our technology is about, is the whole EVA issue is I walk in the room to a patient and say, hi, Aaron, I understand that you have this problem with your skin and you're gonna need some help with that. And you've seen three other doctors and you have some other issues with your thyroid. And, and there's that beginning of that relationship that is harmonious with the patient's experience. They already know these things, but they know that the doctor is engaged and has an understanding of what they need and who they are. And then you can make 
some clinical impressions based on your physical and that story that you refine and you have a plan and you follow it up well. And that's the good outcome. The bad outcome is, well, you know, we'll try these things. We'll give it a rock. We don't really know you very well. We don't know your story, but typically with this, this thumbnail sketch of what's wrong with you, the quote unquote diagnosis, we'll try these things. And if they work good, and if not, then, and that's what people typically experience in a seven to 10 minute primary care visit. They can't get their complex underlying issues handled. They can't get their current sick issue handled from an integrative medicine preventive uh, care model. Instead, they're going to get this really kind of spot check sort of single issue focus. And sometimes that gets them well enough where they feel better for a while, but they don't get well. And an outcome of just getting your symptom to go away, from my perspective and our perspective as a team, that's not adequate. Well, I don't want to eradicate your symptoms. I want to get you well. So I'm going to take you from the place where you have a symptom, which we are going to address because that's what brought you in but I'm going to make sure that we go as far as we can to get you well, make you nutritionally whole, balance your hormones, make sure that you're emotionally intact, that your relationships are as good as they can be. And at that point, follow you up properly so that you can get seen. A bad outcome is that any of those things are, any of those conditions are not met. They're not greeted well, they're not treated well, they're not um, given proper preventive medical care and that they're not followed up well. And that is kind of the story of medicine in the US right now. None of those things happen in the traditional sphere, especially insurance-driven practices, not only because they can't afford it, but because it's just not, it's not the culture. And our culture is different. And that's why patients just flock because they get cared for and they know they're getting cared for. So yeah, bad outcome. I, I <laughs> agree. I think one of, you know, from my role that my role in, medicine has been, you know, taken its own journey. But part of what that role has ended up being in any organization that I've worked with has really been looking at outcomes. And I didn't know it until I was reading your $2 million practice and sort of figuring out where I fit into this world, right, with my dual careers. Even in the OR, it was sort of like, why, why is it taking so long to get this patient back? You know, why is it taking so long to get anesthesia here, provider? What's the patient recovery looking like? You know, um, when you're in charge and running it by yourself solo on a weekend, you have to think about all those things because you got to get eight or nine in, in a day. Um, and you've got to make everybody happy and make sure that the patient is safe at the same time. And moving into, you know, the clinical, outpatient clinical world, what was fascinating to me is I thought it was going to be so much easier, right? I thought I was going to hop in to this mm -hmm. world and I'd be able to just spend a lot more time with patients, you know, because OR, they're mostly asleep. You don't get to spend a lot of time with them. And I love working with people. I do, especially the one-on-one -on -one stuff, right? And I found that it was just as hard, if not harder. And one of the things that was a huge barrier um, to me was time. I thought of it as a barrier, right? I could only spend a certain amount of time with a patient. And we were replicating the same task over and over again. So we'd have a sheet of paper that was evaluating history or symptoms or whatever. The patient would fill that out. They'd fill out all the same paperwork over and over and over again. They were totally burnt out on it. But then they'd come back to the room and we'd ask the same questions because we often <laughs> never had time to get that paperwork back, right? Right. And, right? and if we did, we would review the paperwork in front of the patient, like look down at this piece of paper rather than just have a conversation with the patient. And I just thought, this is ridiculous, right? <laughs> this is a waste of, this is so inefficient. And that's sort of, you know, my other background was I was like, I didn't do this to, you know, not actually spend time with people. Um, and then because we're limited by time, because we just inefficiently used all of it for the patient to get into the room, uh, then you have the review of what's going on takes nothing. You don't get to know the patient. And generally the goal of these independent practices, whether they were cash-based or not, were the quickest way we can get to the quickest treatment to get to a payment so that we can keep our doors open. That that was the bottom line. And every single room was, 
How fast can we offer a service and the patient pays for it so that we can keep our doors open? Not often was the conversation, you know, unless you had a really good provider, um, whoa, let's look at this bigger picture. We see quite a few things going on. One, because they didn't have a system to evaluate everything. Two, they were spend so, spending so much time repeating tasks, right? <laughs> and then three, they weren't paying attention to the patient at all because they were really concerned about keeping their doors open. And that, and that, that was heartbreaking to me. I was sort of like, man, none of this has to exist. It doesn't in any other business world where people are coming in to buy coffee or whatever. Um, and I know it's more complex. I get that. Yes, we're wearing multiple hats here. We're seeing patients. And so for me, my goal was to find a tool to be able to help me do things efficiently, right? I want to be able to gather this really wonderful story. I want to see this full patient story so that when I'm in the room with them, I'm respectful of their time, that they know that I took the time to understand what was going on with them before I even went in the room. But I need something that's going to help me do that, right? That's specific to them. Does it even exist? And in my months of searching, I found really nothing. It was the same thing. Fill out this paperwork, scan it in, probably ask the same questions, go in with a laptop, chart everything that's going on, repeat that back to the provider. Provider comes in, asks the same questions, right? So like this poor patient was like, how many times are you going to ask me the same question? <laughs> right? And I know how that feels as a patient too. And, and often even providers saying, I'm sorry, I'm asking the same question over again. I know, right? So like they know it's not working. And I, I was like, there's got to be something better. While at the same time I'm thinking of this, you know, my role is like supervisor, manager. I'm thinking, how much money are we losing here time-wise? We don't even know if this patient's going to come back because we don't really actually know what's going on with this patient, like the full picture. We're just going to throw a treatment plan at them. We don't know what retention looks like. If we try to send out a referral, we can't even, you know, that's going to take us and 30 minutes of extra time to look through referrals, find their fax number. Like there were so many inefficiencies just to see one patient that I thought, man, this feels impossible and it should really be pretty basic. So now, you know, I bring it back full circle and, and the reality is finding Eva um, for me, which was a risk, right? Risk in my role, which was, hey, let's use this small company. Let's use this system because it's capturing everything that's going on with the patient. But at the same time that it's doing that, so it's helping me take care of the patient and focus on these outcomes, like excellent outcomes. Because I like to do things well, right? That's my thing. But it's also focusing on the health of this practice at the same time. Like it's, it's about both. It's treating the practice as a patient just as much as it's treating the patient as a patient and a customer and a client. And it's a revolutionary thought. That's yeah. a revolutionary thought. That, but I agree with you. Deal. It was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, I remember very specifically doing our first demo and sitting down and talking with Nathan and Jeremy and you were there for a little bit and me thinking, holy crap, how are people, does, how does this not already exist? Like, why hasn't this been created yet? One, and two, how is not, how is everybody not using this? Because mm -hmm. I can, I can say as a practice manager, who's also a nurse, who also has this, you know, other career doing much bigger institutions and really focusing on like excellent outcomes for whatever the institution is, I can say that this system is going to at the same time focus on the patient like they're a family member, right? Help you do that, all of your team members, but also focus on your practice as if the, the like your their life depended on it, right? Like because it has to be successful in order for you to take care of the other one. Um, and I think that that's a really big deal. Outcome and income, it, it's not only about the patient outcome, it's about the practice outcome too, because you have to be healthy to take care of patients. Like you have to yeah, be a the, healthy business. Yeah, in, in, the, in the medical world now, there's this big, uh, oh, doctors are burned out. We're going to give them um, a dog to pet during the day, or we're going to 
do, they'll make sure that they have a, a room that they can lay down in for 15 minutes. And that's completely and totally ridiculous because the problem is so deeply structural that the, the vital signs of the practice are close to flat line. I mean, the practice, the, the independent practice in the United States right now is almost dead. And EVA is designed to come in and provide so much assistance and so much support that all of those vital signs are supported. It's like being on life support for a practice where all of those, all those issues that are so draining, like trying to take a good history with a big, long 10 page questionnaire, and then actually apply that to the visit in the same day, that's virtually impossible to read all of that and uh, actually synthesize all of it in your brain and then bring all of that data to bear on that one patient who you've never met before. Eva does all of that in advance and gets all of that done because we've worked on this for 20 years. It's you know having all of those frustrations and all those difficulties and then addressing them sequentially building uh, an AI system, an algorithm that would actually actually evaluate the patient, put it on a touch screen in the room, provide it so that the patient and the doctor together can work through the story of the patient, refine some details, save four to five hours every day. Um, if you had three or four new patients, it'd be four or five hours every day and, um, and do such a good job. Like the outcome would be so much better because you understand how the bowel is functioning how much their headaches are influencing. Do they have a structural problem? How are their hormones? Symptomatically, all of that put together for you. And then all of the other data that you need to take good care of the patient is available, accessible right up front. You can see the lab data. You can see the patient's symptom scores. You can see all that stuff so readily. You don't have all of that mess that you're talking about where you're just kind of lost and you're trying to put it all together and there's so much new information and the patient's new to you and their head's spinning and their experience is, this is really, really difficult. This is really bad. So they think because your technology, including paper charts that you're trying to figure stuff out on, they think that that's your level of medical expertise. So patients are savvy. They know they use all sorts of apps and they are very familiar with good technology. And when your practice presents bad technology, their assumption is you're a bad doctor. And if you don't have the ability to integrate really good technology, then that's, it's identifies you as somebody who's just not committed and you're not going to have the outcome you wanted for your practice and the health of your practice will suffer because you don't have the patient's impression of you at the level that possibly a great gallbladder surgery would create. You don't have that because they're looking at you based on your technology. Your technology is weak, because they assume that your medical skills are weak and that your knowledge is weak and that you're just not very good. So if you have great technology, the assumption up front is that you're great. Their confidence will be high. We know the technology is good, but your patient, they're gonna have to make a, a decision based on their experience and their experience with EVA is excellent. And they consistently are impressed because they fill out one online questionnaire one time that's basically an interview. And after that, all of that data is available to everybody in the system without another question asked. If there's a refinement that's required, then a, a little deeper questioning in certain areas can be done. Um, but it is such a different, completely different outcome for the patient in the, even in the very beginning of the relationship mm -hmm. with the, with the provider where there's just this immediate bond because there's this clear understanding. And there isn't this repetitive abuse of, so can you tell me just one more time if you have any problem with urinating? It's like, I already said that six times. I'm tired of having that conversation. That's, that's miserable and unnecessary. And technology that's available now, um, typically in, in EMRs and EHRs, it's, it's antiquated. It doesn't make any sense to use those systems when you have systems that are update that actually use uh, AI, use an algorithm to provide the provider with really, really good data to start the, the refining process and actually get to the point of making a, not only a treatment decision, but a preventive care decision. So the outcome for the patient is multifaceted and great. So they have a nutrition plan, an activity plan. They're addressing all their underlying root cause issues and their symptoms at the same time in one visit. I mean, it's, it's, it is revolutionary. And because of that, you can then take the vital signs of the practice and see 
there's time, extra time. We've manufactured hours a day. Um, the patient satisfaction is extremely high. So you're getting referrals from them telling everybody in the world that they love it. It's the greatest thing ever. Um, and in consequence, the income of the, pay, of the practice increases and you're not paying for the cost of a patient acquisition to a billboard company and a marketing company and the local magazine and all the other stuff that's recommended to be done. I'm telling you, the only way that is a reliable uh, patient acquisition uh, strategy, take great care of your patients. Let your work be your advertising. And if you do that, it takes a little longer maybe, but every patient that you see, with very few exceptions, will be ideal patients because they'll be referred by somebody who likes what you do. So right. they'll be congruent with your style. And that way, the vital signs of the practice will improve and improve and improve until they can be discharged and become independent completely. They can use their EVA system and not worry, like I don't, about my practice's survival. I don't worry about it. Yeah. We have 1,500 patients that we see who absolutely love coming here. They love coming to the doctor as opposed to hate coming to the doctor because they're cared for and their outcomes are excellent and they know they're going to get cared for in a way that's respectful and consistent. And then so. you don't have to worry, right? You, so you get to put all of this effort, like you knew I need a system that's going to help me survive and thrive in what's coming. So that's how we started the journey or you started the journey with Eva, right? But you now know because Eva's taking care of the patient on that level, but Eva's also taking care of your practice on that level. So mm -hmm. you don't even have to think about that, right? So if I were to come to you and say, hey, who do you have a system to manage your inventory? You would say yes. Do you have a system that you can send purchase orders through? One system, all purchase orders to your vendors, to your reps? Yes, I do. Do you have a system that you can create like customized patient interviews based off of appointments that are coming in, collect that data, drop it into the chart in addition to the Eva core interview? Yes, I do. So I can make more questionnaires? Yes. It automatically documents that for me so that it's there and I don't have a million pieces of paper? Yes, it does. Wait, do you have a system that's going to help you like I don't know, what if I want to do in-house dispensing? Yeah, sure, absolutely. What about when I add a new like service or piece of equipment or whatever, the whole business flow for that? I mean, do, can my staff create that? Do we have to have Excel sheets? How are we going to track, you know, reports of success and income? No, it's taking care of that too. But what about my patient communications? Like, what about if I want to send emails out or I want to message them independently and how do they get access to all of their stuff? No, we, we have all of that too. There's the portal, which is totally different kind of portal. We have a communication platform, right? So you can do internal communications with your team members, tasking, all of that, but you can also do it with patients. You can talk to them individually. You can send them emails. You can send them emails that have videos. It's a template builder. It's beautiful. I mean, it's like everything you could think of even as we're moving into the future, like, cause we continue to add stuff, but mindfully, right? It's not like, oh, we're adding stuff because it doesn't affect our outcome, right? We only add stuff to Eva and develop based off of outcomes. I mean, well, it's interesting. As you're saying that, it, it occurs to me that the type of medicine that we practice, it's, it's integrative medicine, which is a very holistic approach. You're looking yeah. at the whole person and, uh, and, and you're applying your skill set to the whole person in over 40 years of practice, I've got a lot of, a lot of things I've learned, you know, and, and I can apply all of those, those just good internal medicine, acupuncture, uh, osteopathic treatment, uh, all sorts of structural medicine, sports medicine, and ultrasound, and all of these things that, that we can do. And Eva acts like that with practices. Eva yeah. is a holistic solution. Yeah. So Eva takes care of not only what all uh, EHRs do, which is, we, that's easy stuff. That's, you know, diagnos diagnosis codes and writing an invoice and all that. That's easy yeah. stuff. But Eva does it for you. Eva generates that without you having to do any extra input. Where based on the uh, initial Eva core interview, um, an interaction is created and that interaction carries all the way through and holistically treats the entire patient experience <clears throat> so that from the beginning 
a decision is made that this this is this type of interaction, everything is done. The medical note, a draft is written, the entire medical record is written, the invoice is written, all that stuff is done without any further involvement by any staff member or the physician. No more, no more work is required. There will be fine tuning because you'll make some different decisions. You'll add a cryosurgery and do a little freeze on a on a spot or do add a trigger point or add some lab work or and all of these things, all these additional services are holistic care so that you take care of the whole patient and all of their needs. Rather than rushing through a visit, you have all the information you need on the patient to engage them in a way that is a complete visit so that you have the ability not only to take care of them, charge for your time, which is appropriate, but also any additional services you can identify because you have the whole story. You have the whole gamut of what could possibly be going on. And then when all of that is complete, you've created a holistic solution to the problem of the patient, but the practice also has a holistic solution. So their yeah. business is managed properly, their quality patient care is managed properly, their marketing is managed by excellent care. And, um, and subsequently, people who use EVA wind up just, they couldn't imagine, like you said, it was, mm. where is that? Why has this not been discovered before? It's because it's, it's a breakthrough technology using a patient workflow in a real practice, applying it to technology and, and really applied to 2023, not from the high tech act in whatever, 2009 or no, that was, yeah, I think 2009. It's like, that's old, like in medical world, that's ancient. It's 14 years ago. Imagine using 14 year old, year old technology in any other industry. Well, I mean, it's that's crazy. how it is. I think you know, we were talking about this and this is how I, I think we should wrap it up. So outcomes and income, when you are a nurse, a provider, and you're, let's say, we're just going to use this example. You know, you're a, a generalist, a hospitalist, I'm your nurse and I want you, you want me to help you, you know, basically take care of your patients that are for you today. One of the things I have to do for you is I have to manage or chart or keep track of ins and outs, right? What's going on with this patient and in and out. If there is a massive change in in and out of this patient, then I need to report that to you, right? Because you have far more patients to see today than I do. And mm -hmm. if there's a massive change in that, we know that there's an issue with the health of that patient. And it's really the same with Eva, that you are gonna see so many patients during the day. You need a really good team behind you and really good technology. So if I'm a nurse and I'm gonna document the ins and outs and you can't ever get updated on that, the patient's gonna have a bad outcome. So you need good technology to help your staff and help you do what you have to do, which is monitoring not only in and the out of the patient, but monitoring the in and the out of the practice, mm -hmm. right? If you don't know that your ins and your outs are in a balanced, healthy sort of status and your team can't report back to you and your technology can't help you do that, I suggest looking for an alternative solution. Doesn't have to be Eva. We hope that it is because we're going to approach you, your practice and how you work with your patients in a holistic manner, right? So. I mean, that's what I think. I think that in and out <laughs> is the best metaphor here, right? Well, I love I love the idea of like everyone who's in healthcare knows about INOs. If yeah. if if I'm taking care of a critical patient, which by the way, all practices, with the exception of a few like ours, have that have made a switch a while ago to the cash model and have really good technology and right, just we have unbelievably great staff. It's critical. There's so many practices that either by virtue of the doctor just burning out bad or they can't stay afloat. They can't survive because of the insurance industry or bad business practices in a cash practice. Because of that, their INOs, their ins and outs are bad. There's there, there's not enough coming in and there's an awful lot going out and they got to make decisions. With Eva, all of those parameters are understood and then when it's time to give more fluid or less fluid, add a med, whatever, to the practice, to add a resource, you know to do it. And then you can do it. And all of that fine tuning that's required, you have an expert virtual assistant, Eva, to dramatically enhance the awareness of what's going on in the practice and how it works. It is not an EHR, but it does everything that the EHR did back in the day when they were prevalent. 
I'm, I'm extincting them because I just think it's time for them to be done. Um, but it is time to look at patient care. We have a, a really a precious opportunity right now because healthcare is free falling, so to speak. Um, and providers have the chance to actually be heroic in this moment to step in and actually in your own little private world, your own space, uh, 500 or 1,000 or 1,500 patients you take care of or 3,000 um, to do a tremendous job that their outcomes will be excellent and your income will follow. You don't have to worry about that. It will always follow and Eva can help. Yep. Well, thanks so much for, you know, taking your time to go over what, you know, outcomes income can seem a very daunting, boring topic. We'll see how many people actually take the time to listen, right? Um, well, the cool thing is whether I, everybody else loves it as much as I do, I love fleshing out these ideas and looking at the future of healthcare as it could be so great yeah. if everyone were willing to embrace like you have a responsibility in your own space to do a great job and there's ways to do it and um, there's there's models around there's there's there are people who are doing a great job find those people and attach to them and learn what you need to learn and grow to the point where you can share that information too and then it'll it'll shift the way that healthcare is going in our country we have an opportunity and we can do it. So and that's the outcome I'm looking for. Yep. Boom. Patients need it and we want to support it. So, yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks, yeah. Aaron. Have a great rest of awesome. your day. You too. Thanks for joining us today. Hope this episode shed a little bit of magic or light on the outcome and income conversation, which can often be kind of dry and boring. If you are interested in learning more about us or our solution, Eva, check us out at www.evahealth.com. If you'd like to have a conversation with me, you can send me an email. It's Erin, E-R-I-N, at evahealth.com. Hope you have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you on our next episode.